1 John chapter 4, and let us read. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, you abide in us. To those who call upon your name, to those who love you, that have given their life to you, God, you live within us. This text even says you live through us. What an amazing miracle, God, that you loved us so much that you would become one of us, that you would give everything you are so that we could have a right relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for that love, and we ask, God, that you would work that love in and through us today. God, I pray that you would anoint my lips, my mind, my heart, my spirit, to express these words of love to your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you think of when you hear the word love? Some might think of romance. Maybe you've watched The Notebook a hundred times. My daughter has. Um, Maybe you think of your first love. Maybe you have that, you think of that butterfly in your stomach feeling when you're in love. Maybe you think of family. You might have an amazing family that are loving and supportive in everything you do. They love you unconditionally. They're always there for you. But we know that not all families are like that. My mom displayed a special kind of love in our family. She was always there for us. Her love for Jesus radiated through everything that she was in her life. She loved Jesus and she loved people. She loved to serve others with such sincerity that you could actually feel the love of Christ flow through her when she was in the room. My mom had a younger brother, though, who was the exact opposite. You guys know all these people. They're in your families, too. You could actually say that he was quite unlovable. He was really self-centered in everything that he did. In fact, if you were in a conversation with him, which I had been in these conversations before, which they really weren't conversations, but... He might tell you how bad you look by saying something like, wow, last time I saw you, you weren't that fat. And you'd just be like, really? Are you kidding me? He was also kind of arrogant. 
every conversation had to revolve around him. So if you weren't talking about him, you didn't have really a lot to talk about. But because he was single, my mom, bless her heart, would always invite him to holidays and family gatherings. It would usually end up the same way. It goes something like this. He'd be extremely mean to her, and then he'd leave. And brokenhearted, my mom would think about it. She'd be, you know, just feeling really bad, but she would try to mend things up. You know, she'd call him. She'd do the best she could to make him know that he was loved. Her heart for my uncle was for him to know Jesus and to know that by her love for him. You know, one day I asked her, why do you, why do you put up with this? Like, what's the deal? Why, why do you do this? And she kind of blew my mind because I, I just really, you know, you know sometimes when you see people love people so well, even when they're unlovable, how it just, you don't, know, you don't have words for it because it's so supernatural. Well, she just said, you know, if... If Jesus could love us in that kind of a way, and, he, and, and we are sometimes unlovable, then surely I could love him in that same way. So when, when I heard her say that, I kind of was taken aback because I was like, wow, I really realize that I'm not that loving all the time. And I'm okay with people that I like being around, but you know, people that I don't like that are irritating or get on my nerves or whatever, it's difficult. It's difficult. I have a friend who used to call them sandpaper people because like, it's like getting rubbed with sandpaper. It kind of hurts and it's kind of irritating, you know, and you just don't know what to do. Um, but the question, I have a question for all of us today. How do we love people that are not easy to love. How do we do that? What do you do when you're around others that get on your nerves? What do you do when you're around people that spitefully hurt you? You're innocent, and they, they, they want harm towards you. How can you truly love others with the love of Christ? We must understand, much like the other people who are difficult, that we ourselves are not always easy to love. No, we're not always easy to love, and yet we are loved. You know, John begins this passage by calling the readers beloved. John knew this because he himself, his identity was in the fact that he was loved by Christ. He begins by proclaiming to those he's speaking to as beloved, and he, speaking to them in their identity as Christ, calls him that because that means dearly loved. He's trying to tell us as the readers that we are dearly loved by God. Remember, Jesus called, I mean, John called himself the one whom Christ so loved. And he could confidently say that because John's identity was based on the fact that he was loved by Christ. And the implication here is if we're dearly loved, then we should love others with that same love. But We often struggle with this. And if we're dearly loved, we can know and understand that we're loved by God because 
We are loved by John. He shows us, he says, beloved. We know that we're loved by him. We know this is our identity in Christ. We know that this was planned. God planned this from the beginning of time. And God was thinking of you. He was thinking of you and I. He even thinks of us when we're unaware of it. See, God desires a relationship with us. And having a relationship with people is sometimes really messy. It's sometimes really messy because when you love people and you love them unconditionally, you're going to have stuff that they don't like. They're going to have stuff that you don't like. And you have to love beyond that. But how do we do that? We can also know that God loves us by knowing that he manifested his love towards us. What does that mean? He gave his love towards us by sending his only son into the world. And he did that so that we might live through him. Think about this for a second. Jesus living through us. How could that be? How can he live through us? Well, how can it be that we as believers actually live through God? God lives through all those that believe in Jesus for salvation. And if we as believers live through God, we must rely on him for everything. Everything. See, that was his plan from the beginning. When we were, the original plan was, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, was for them to walk with God in the cool of the day, to live with God, to receive from God, to get everything they had need of from God. Sure, God used them and gave them a purpose and a plan. He, he gave them the plan that they would be co-creators with him, that they would serve and love each other, that they would take care of the planet, that they would cultivate the land, that they would do all these things. But yet everything was, re, was completely set on the fact that they needed God for everything in their life. We were created for that. So if we live through God, we also have the ability to love through God. But we're so quick to see ourselves as desiring love even when we're unlovable. Isn't that true? Don't you sometimes go, why don't they love me? I'm so good. I'm so kind. I deserve that love. We think of of ourselves like that. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 6 tells us that love is not envious or boastful. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Wow. That kind of throws us all under the bus, doesn't it? This is our dilemma. We desire to be loved. And many of us are just like my uncle. We want others to love us even when we're unlovable. We actually think that we deserve it. We're loved not because we're lovable, but because God is love. That's why we're loved, because God is love. And he, he loved us first. We love him because he first loved us, right? Amen? Amen. So if love is from God, this love is being spoken over all who are dearly loved, which John calls us, right? 
And that comes from God. Our capacity to love also comes from God's capacity to love because he is love. We have this great capacity for love and to love, but we're so self-centered. We're so set on what we want. It just becomes really difficult. You know, the love doesn't inherently come from us. Our identity as believers is completely based on the fact that God's love is for us. So we who are with God are loved by God. And we understand love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John comes back to this point that we're, we, the only way that we love is if we're born of, God, of love and we know God. He's the one that perpetrates this love in our hearts. The main evidence of our faith is that we love, right? They will know us by our love for one another. That's what the word says. So when people walk into this church, they should see something supernatural, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they see like people loving each other like they've never seen before? They should leave here going, wait a minute, this is not like the world. A lot of people think in churches that we should emulate the world, that we should look like the world so we can draw people to us. God says the opposite. He says your love for one another should be the supernatural thing that people see when they walk into a body of God, that they should see that love of God. Why is that? Because we're born of God. This is why Jesus said we must be born again. We actually have to be transformed. Do we not? Last week, did, it was so amazing last week at the baptism to watch people transformed by God, making a public statement that they love Jesus. How can they do that? Because the love of Christ is in them. They can't help but do that. They can't help but express to the world, I love Jesus. It's, it's too hard to hold in. So what he says that we're born again and we're transformed into a new life when we believe upon Jesus. And now we know God because we know Jesus. So our, going back to our text, it also says, if we do not love, we do not know God. If we lack the capacity to love, God says we do not know God. That's a hard one. And the reason why is because, once again, God is love. God is love. So if God is living in us, if he's active and living through our lives, if we have come to believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, then his love will flow through us. And what does that mean? It means that love encapsulates all that God is. Love is the language God uses to show us his divine nature and care for all of humanity. How can we truly know that God is love? Like I said earlier, from the beginning. That was his plan. His plan for us to know that he's love and, the, and that his great love is better than anything there is. The love of Christ is better than anything you could own, anything you can have, anything that you can do in this world. It really is. 
houses and cars and stuff. That's cool to enjoy, but it's not as good as God. It's not as good as his love. It won't satisfy you. It won't do what only his love can do. Through humanity, God's love reaches out and is fulfilled on earth. So his plan was to partner with us through humanity to reach out to the earth with his love. What do you mean by this? Stay with me. Stay with me on this. God's love reaches out to the world through us. What a statement, right? What a statement that he manifests his love in us that the world would see that love and desire him. Not desire you. A lot of people have that in their mind, right? They, they think, oh, you know, if I love people, maybe I can get something from them. Maybe if I love them this way, you know, I'll get this job promotion. Maybe if I do this, I'll be able to hang out with them and they're cool, so, you know, I'll do that. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. He's appealing through you and I with this love, this unconditional, unbelievable love. How does he do this? He, he, he does this by showing us that it's his promise to love us, and he gave his son, and that is everything. That is everything. John says that Jesus is the propitiation of our sins, for our sins, I'm sorry, for our sins. And propitiation is just a big word that means satisfaction. Jesus is our satisfaction. He satisfied the payment for sin. There is a cost and a debt for sin that needs to be paid. Sin requires sacrifice. In Leviticus 17.11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So the satisfaction was given by Jesus as he was the perfect sacrifice who lived a sinless life so that we could live through him. This is the great dilemma of God. The great dilemma is if I punish man for his sin, man will die and go to hell. No one likes to hear that, do they? On the other hand, if I don't punish man for his sin, my justice will never be satisfied. You know, it's funny, in America, we don't like the fact that people say, well, you know, people will go to hell apart from God. In other parts of the world, they're like, we want God's justice satisfied. We're oppressed. We're beaten down. We're downtrodden. Where's the justice? Well, that justice will come. And it will come through Jesus. So God became our substitute. He is our substitutional atonement. He atones for our sin. He became what we could never be, a sinless man who would give his life for all of humanity. Now, all those who come to believe in Jesus because of what he's done are blameless before God. Because of what he did, not because of what you've done. Remember that. It's only because of what Jesus did for us. When God looks down on us, he sees us through the sacrifice of Jesus. He doesn't look down and you go, oh, Nick, yeah, man, you're kind of a jerk. What are you doing up there talking to people about love? No, God looks down on me 
and he sees Jesus. That is a miracle. Ask my wife. She, she will tell you. As believers, we have now become his, and if we're his, we are loved. So we know that God is love, and we are loved. So now we have the ability to love one another. We have an ability to love one another because of the love of Christ. John once again addresses his readers as dearly loved, as beloved. And if God loves us, we're to love one another. Jesus himself said, they will know you by your love for one another. They will know you by your love for one another. We are to absorb and reflect God's love. On, the, on Highway 15, when you're on your way to Vegas, there's this solar farm out there. Have you guys ever passed by there? It's, it's kind of crazy. It's got these two big mirrors that stick up. And these mirrors, um, they reflect the sun to a thermal station that heats water or whatever it does. I'm not exactly sure, but it's the largest solar thermal power station in the U.S. I don't know if it's the world, but these mirrors reflect the light to create the source of power or energy. And just as the mirrors reflect the light of the sun, so we as Christians are to reflect the love of Christ. Now, not only do these mirrors reflect, but the boilers receive. They receive from the sun. They absorb the power that comes from the sun. And we are to be reflections and absorbers of God's love. We are to absorb God's love. And how do we do that? We do that by spending time with him, right? If you have a best friend and you never spend time with them and you don't know anything about them, can you say they're your best friend? That's hard, right? But we, sometimes people do that. So if God has the power to allow us to love unlovable people, to love people that are sandpaper people, to love people that are arrogant and rude, to love all these kind of different people, how can we do that? Only by receiving from him. By receiving the power that comes from him. Paul also tells us in 2 Corinthians that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So he gives us his power, this ability to love and to live through him, but he gives it to us because it's from him and he is love. So let us not only be recipients of God's love, but also reflectors of God's love. Let us reflect the beauty of who he is because we've received, right? So let's receive. Let's spend time with Jesus. Let's receive and absorb that love so that we have love to give. I spoke to you earlier about God's love being our greatest need and also to seek a right relationship with others. You know, in the story of the Good Samaritan, there's, an, there's a lawyer that comes to Jesus 
and asks him, you know, what are the, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus tells him to love God with all your soul, heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And then he says, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, well, there was a guy who went out on the road. He got beat up. He got mugged. He was left for dead on the side of the road. One guy came by that was a Levite. Another guy came by that was a Pharisee. They both walked on the other side of the road. They saw the guy laying there, but they didn't want to defile themselves because of his condition. But then there was a Samaritan that came by, and the Samaritan, who was hated by Jewish people because Samaritans were half-breeds, they were, looked, they were frowned upon, he comes over, and he not only bandages the guy, but he sends him to an inn. He pays for the inn. He goes to the owner of the inn and says, any charges you have, I'll take that upon myself. So at the end, Jesus says, who of these were the neighbor to this man? And he says, the one who showed mercy. And he says, so you also show mercy. So we also show mercy because of the mercy God has given us. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. We don't deserve what we have. But, but God wants us to have it. He wants to bless you. He wants you to know that he loves you unconditionally, and he does this through Jesus. Jesus is the one that does all these things. So John actually says that people see God when we have love one for another. He also says that no one has ever seen God. But even when Moses saw God's glory, it was still veiled, was it not? Remember, he put his hand over the cleft. He had to go into the cleft of the, of the mountain. And even though Jesus is Lord, the glory of God was veiled in Jesus' humanity. He became a man. So he's 100% God and 100% man. But it wasn't his glory as God's glory. God told Moses, if you look upon my glory, you'll perish. I think that's because his glory is so beautiful and his love is so great, I don't think our bodies could handle it. You know, if you really think about it, like it's, have you ever sensed the love of God in, in an experience in your life? Probably, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, when, when God's glory came into my life, when his love came into my life, I was floored, man. I, I'd never experienced anything like that. I never knew that love could feel that way that love could be that deep, that it could resonate in my heart in that kind of a way. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to experience. That's what he wants us to see. So people get glimpses of God through us when we love and serve others the way Jesus did. When we think about that love that I just explained, and we serve others with that same kind of love, what what do they do? It's, it kind of leaves you dumbfounded. Have you ever had someone do something really beautiful for you when you know you didn't deserve it? When you know that it's like, why are they doing this? I'm kind of a jerk. Like, why are they, why are they blessing me like this? That's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for us. That's the kind of love he wants us to experience in and through him. So if we love one another, 
And God's love abides in us and perfected and is perfected in us, John says. What does that mean, that his love is perfected in us? Well, the word perfect means complete or fulfilled, which means the goal of God's love is not to be simply poured out on us, but to transform us and work through us to love others. Isn't that incredible? That he wants us to be transformed in that kind of way that we can love others through that kind of love? So then we've come to believe and know God's love for us because of Jesus. If Jesus is abiding in us, we have a great capacity to love others because Jesus abides in the Father and the Father abides in Jesus. And when we abide in God and God is love, and we are abiding in his love, and God's love abides in us, then we can do this. We can serve others. We can love others. I know I'm using a lot of words here, but simply saying, if we believe upon Jesus, he lives within us, and his love lives within us. And because God loves us, when we don't deserve it, we can love others when they don't deserve it. Because love, God loves us when we don't deserve it, we can love others even if they don't deserve it. When we love those who don't deserve it, people see God abiding in us. When we love one another, God's love is fulfilled through us. Like the glory of God, the people saw in Moses. Like the glory of God, we see in Jesus. Now we can love one another as we forgive others, just as Jesus forgave us. Now we have the ability to use our time and resources to meet the needs of others, to lay down our lives, just as Jesus laid down his life for us. Now we can actually give our lives away because Jesus gave his life away for us. He's done everything. He gave everything. Is it bad that he asks us to do the same? Is it unrighteous for him to ask us to give everything? Is it unrighteous for him to ask us to give our life away, to serve others in that same way, to have that same love? Absolutely not. He's asking us only what he knows we can do. And he knows we can do it because he loves us and God is love and he wants to work through us. Jesus says to us, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. We can love because we've been loved by God. We can love because we know Jesus and Jesus is God and God is love. We can love one another because Jesus lives through us and his love works in us to love others the way he loves us. Such incredible love. Such a remarkable thing that people that are unlovable can be loved. That people that are unlovable can love. That God can work through us in such a majestic way to show his glory through us, through mankind, through humanity, that he can do that because he is love. 
Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your great love, God. And though, Lord, we don't understand how great it is, we don't understand the depths of your love, we can through Jesus. Jesus, you gave us everything that we have need for. You gave everything for us. You've made a way, Lord. You've made a way. You've sacrificed all that we could have all. You've given all that we could live through you. You've loved us so we could love others. God, help us today to do that, God. We need you. We, we just can't do this alone, Lord. We can't do this on our own. So we humbly come before you and we say, Lord, forgive our misgivings and work in us through, through the love that you have for us that Jesus gave. Lord, do things through us that we could not do through ourselves that you would be glorified. Lord, live through us that other people would see the glory of God and desire you. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in you for this, that your love is real, and that you love us, God. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.